I want you to imagine with me for a minute that you've been selected by the Avengers to be the new Iron Man. Okay, you, you, you've been chosen, they've seen your talent, and they've selected you to be the new Iron Man. Tony Stark has decided to retire, and you're going to be his new replacement. And there's a big battle coming up against some supervillain, I don't know their names, but some supervillain, the Red Hulk or something like that, and, and they hand you the armor. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they hand you the armor? Are you going to spend your time waxing it, making sure it looks good for when you go out and fight? Uh, do you ask Tony Stark for a lesson on how to use the thing? Do you say, cool, and then leave the armor on the shelf and go out to fight the supervillain on your own? What do you do? What do you do with the armor? Uh, last week, when we looked at this passage that we're getting ready to read, we talked about that for the believer in Jesus Christ, even though Satan has been defeated, he hasn't been vanquished. Uh, even though he's a defeated enemy, he's still a powerful enemy. Even though he's got a gunshot wound to the chest, he's still capable of doing a lot of damage in our lives. And the way he tries to do that damage, the way he tries to attack us is through certain schemes, certain methods. And we looked at some of those methods last week. He had, has certain methods that he tries to use to tempt us and draw us into sin. He has certain methods that he uses to try to keep us away from our religious duties like prayer and, and reading the scriptures. He has certain methods that he uses to try to keep us in a sad and doubting and discouraged state. And last week we saw that, that we need to be aware of those schemes and we need to battle those schemes and we need to battle and resist Satan himself. Paul calls us in this text to stand against the schemes of the devil in verse 11. And then verse 13 he says, to withstand in the evil day. And then he says to stand firm. And then again in verse 14, to stand. So he repeats this over and over. To stand against Satan as he battles against us. And so the question that we kind of left hanging last week that I want to try to answer this morning is how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we stand uh, against the schemes of the devil? So uh, let's read the, the Word of God together. This is from Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tysicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray with me. Uh, Father, thank you for giving us your word. Uh, I pray that you would help me now to to handle it faithfully and carefully. uh, And that Holy Spirit, you would uh, apply what we are learning here to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so our question again, how, how do we stand firm? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how do you stand firm against the attacks of the devil? When he tries to drag you into sin. When he tries to drag you away from your religious duties. When he tries to rob you of your joy. The answer is in the very first verse we read, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the the first question we need to answer then is, well, what does that mean? What does it mean for me to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? Uh, What it means in a nutshell is that the power... The strength that we need to resist Satan is not our own power, but it's God's power. It's not our own strength. It's God's strength. It's it's the power that that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power we need if we are to stand against Satan, not simply my willpower. Uh, Most of you are, well, many of you may be familiar, there's an old Bob Newhart skit uh, where he, he plays a psychiatrist And there's a woman who's coming in to see him for counseling. And she tells him that she has a fear of being buried alive in a box. And he says, I think I can help you. I think I can help you with two words. And she's like, well, let me write this down. He's like, well, most people can get it. It's just two words. I don't think you need to write it down. And so he looks at her. He says, I think you can remember this. And he looks at her and he yells, stop it. And she says, excuse me? He says, stop it. It. That's a silly thing to be afraid of. And so they go on and she she tells him that she struggles with bulimia and self-destructive relationships. And she's afraid to drive. And after everyone, he says, stop it. Stop it. What are you, a kook? Stop it. And then finally, she's getting frustrated with him and he's getting frustrated with her. And he looks at her and says, stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. All right, and that's, that's funny, but, but, but how many of us try to deal with our own sins and temptations in that way? Like, we think that's crazy when Bob Newhart does it, but how many of us are trying to deal with our own sin in that way? We're just telling ourselves, stop it. How many of us deal with our children in that way? Would you just stop it? Now, I know you can't delve into the hard idols of your two-year-old. That's kind of a tricky conversation. Uh, it's different at different stages. But how many of us are just saying to our kids, will you just just stop? Would you just stop it? Would you just do what you're supposed to do? We look at ourselves and say, we just suck it up and do what you've got to do. Stop it. Stop doing that. When we enter into the battle against the world, against our own flesh, against Satan, Scripture continually tells us over and over and over again, don't rely on your strength. 
Don't rely on your power, but rely on the power of God. This doesn't come from your willpower. This comes from God's power. Now, that sounds nice, right? But we've got to ask the question again, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it look like for me to enter into this battle and to stand and even to, to wrestle against Satan, as verse 12 says here, while the whole time I'm doing it, I'm depending on God's power and not my own power? So that's our second question then. What does it look like? How do I be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might instead of being strong or trying to be strong in my own strength and might? Well, what's Paul say? Verse 11 he says, the way you do this is you put on the whole armor of God. And then he repeats that in verse 13. He says, take up the whole armor of God. Okay, well, okay, well, what's that about? What does that mean for me to put on this armor of God? What's he getting at? There have been pages and pages uh, written, written about these, these pieces of armor and what they are and how we go about using them. There's one very well-known book that's written in 1655 called The Christian in Complete Armor. And this is the subtitle. The saints war against the devil wherein a discovery is made of that grand enemy of God and his people and his policies, power, the seat of his empire, wickedness, and the chief design he hath against the saints. A magazine opened from whence the Christian is furnished with spiritual arms for the battle, helped on with his armor, and taught the use of his weapons together with a happy issue of the whole war. All right, what if Netflix had subtitles like that? Hey, I, you want to watch? That, that book is 1,400 pages long, and you're welcome to read that if you want to. It's, it's supposed to be a classic. I'm, I'm not going there with you, but, but go ahead. Because I think while it's useful to think about all these pieces of armor, and we're going to talk about some of them, you can get so caught up in trying to figure out exactly what each one of these things is and, and how we use them that we miss the larger point that I think Paul is making with this imagery here. I think the, the bigger thing we need to realize as we look at this armor is that Paul is saying to us, look at what you have in Christ. Look at the resources you have in Christ. You need to be defined by who you are in Christ. You need to be defined by what you have in Christ. Putting on this armor that we're going to look at is the way that you do that. It's the way we remember who we are. It's the way we remember whose we are. It's the way we battle against Satan's attempts to tempt us and his attempts to discourage us. It's the way we battle against Satan's attempts to get us to try to find our primary identity in something other than being a child of God. I came across a really interesting excerpt from a book by Nadia Bowles Weber this week. Uh, and in the book, she says that, that, and I found it very interesting, that part of spiritual warfare is fighting against Satan's temptation to try to get us to redefine ourselves. And, and listen to how, how she says this. The word that had most recently come from the mouth of God was, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased identity it's always God's first move before we do anything wrong and before we do anything right God has named and claimed us as God's own but almost immediately other things try to tell us who we are and to whom we belong capitalism the weight loss industrial complex 
our parents, kids at school, they all have a go at telling us who we are. But only God can do that. Everything else is temptation. Maybe demons are defined as anything other than God that tries to tell us who we are. So if God's first move is to give us our identity, then the devil's first move is to throw that identity into question. For far too long, I believed that how my old church saw me, or how my family saw me, or how society saw me, was the same as how God saw me. But I began to realize something that is painfully obvious on the surface, but something that almost all of us are blind to. Our identity has nothing to do with how we are perceived by others. But it's still tempting to believe. The precision with which the devil or evil or darkness worms into our own lives is breathtaking. It's like a tailor-made radioactive isotope calling into question our identity as children of God. And nowhere are we more prone to, in, to the enroaching darkness than when we are stepping into the light. Sudden discouragement in the midst of a healthy decision. A toxic thought or a particular temptation. So knowing these people in front of me, I made the following suggestion to my church. Take a note from Martin Luther's playbook and defiantly shout back at the darkness, I am baptized. Martin Luther used to like to say to himself, when Satan was tempting him and discouraged him, I'm a baptized man. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. That's not who I am, no matter how you try to define me, Satan. Um, I finally watched A River Runs Through It. I'm only about 30 years late on that. Um, but I watched it this weekend. Uh, and, and in this movie, the, the younger brothers played by Brad Pitt. Uh, and he is an artist when it comes to fly fishing. The best fly fisherman you've ever seen. But he's also tormented by these demons of alcoholism and gambling and at one point in the movie his older brother says he was a great fly fisherman but beyond that I'm not sure I knew anything about my brother at all I didn't know who he was at all other than the fact that he was simply a great fly fisherman See, we we've all got these things these addictions these sins these broken places things that are that are wrong and broken about us and Satan wants you to try to paper over that brokenness by finding your identity and being the great doctor, the great lawyer, the great student, the great preacher, the great parent, the great musician, thinking that that will make everything okay. That that identity that I, that I create for myself will somehow paper over all of the broken places. It will make up for them. But it's never sufficient. It's never sufficient. The only identity that's sufficient to do anything about the brokenness of our life is knowing that I'm the child of God and that I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Satan wants you to forget that that's your primary identity and he wants you to try to find and create an identity anyplace else. Anyplace else other than being simply a child of God. And I, I think that's the big picture of what the armor is about. It's the way that we remember that and battle against Satan to remember that. It's the way we remember who we are and the way we remember whose we are. It's the way we battle against his, his attempts to tempt us and discourage us and to try to get us to find our identity in some other place. That's what the armor is for. So, we're going to work through a few of these. Uh, I'll, I'll try to do this quickly. 
What, what's up with these pieces of armor? What are these pieces of the armor? Uh, the first one is in verse 14. It's the belt of truth. All right, now this is not a belt like, like, like we normally think about. This is more like a leather apron that was worn underneath the armor and went all the way down to Roman soldiers' knees. It was kind of the foundational uh, layer of, of the outfit that they were wearing before they went into battle. And Paul says the foundational layer of our armor is truth. It's truth. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have a Savior who is truth itself, you have a revealed word in Scripture that is the very truth of God. You have a story in the Scripture that is a true story about the world. It, it answers the questions of how are things supposed to be and what's wrong with the world and how can all of this be made right? Questions that every worldview tries to answer. We have true answers to those questions in the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell us the truth about who God is the truth about who we are, the truth about how we can be made right with God, the truth about God's love for us in Christ. And the more we take those truths into us, the more we'll live truthfully, the more we'll live uh, in a way that actually fits the world that we live in, the more we'll become men and women of truth and integrity. And when we fail, which we will, we'll be able to speak the truth about our own sin. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I worry. Yes, I'm fearful. But I know I'm cared for and forgiven and loved by my Father. And so we have to, to learn to lean in to the truth. That's the foundational layer of the armor. Y'all, the, the, the way we think about who we are and, and why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing in this world, that's going to be shaped by something. That's going to be shaped by the stories around us. And what we, we have to struggle with is to see that shaped by the truth of Scripture. I was reading an article on, on NPR's website this week that was titled, How Shows Like Will and Grace and Blackish Can Change Your Brain. It's like, oh, I don't want my brain to be changed while I'm watching TV. But, but one of the things, basically what they were saying was researchers have shown, or they have, what, how do you say that? that people who watched Will and Grace uh, were likely to be much more accepting of homosexuality than people who hadn't. That it actually changed the way they thought about that. All right? And so our culture is telling you stories about the way you ought to think about many issues. And the battle we have to do, and this is not a, well, don't watch television then, it, what we have to know is, is that, wait a minute, the truth is in the scriptures. And the way I think about every issue has to be shaped by the scriptures. And the way my children think about issues needs to be shaped by the scriptures. And so, yeah, we have to be wise in what we watch and what, what we consume. But the bigger thing we have to do is that we ourselves have to think through the scriptures about the things we're watching and the things we're listening to and teaching our children to do the same thing so that they can see the untruths. So that they can see the lies, the things that are wrong in the stories that they're being told by the culture around us. Because we are being told stories every day. You can't get around that. And so we have to fasten on the belt of truth of the scripture and think about reality through those lenses. All right, second thing. We're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
the, the breastplate of righteousness. The essence of Christianity, when you, when you boil it all down, is that my right standing with God is not about what I do, it's not about what I haven't done, but it's about what Jesus Christ has done. And when I believe the gospel, and when I put my faith in him, his righteousness, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, that's all credited to me. And that's the way I'm able to stand before a holy God. When I mess up, I don't subtract anything from that righteousness. If you sin ten times a day, that's not ten marks off that righteousness because it's Jesus' righteousness and it's a perfect righteousness. And, and that's what we have to lean into. And so when Satan comes against you and he starts accusing you of all the things that you have done, you have to look at him and say, Romans 8.1, man, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I did do that. I messed up, but I've confessed that, and I've done a lot worse things than that, and I'm probably going to do a lot worse things in the future. But this is not about me. This is about what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so we have to lean into that righteousness, not our own, but the righteousness of Jesus for us. We have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, number three, we're told, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, shoes matter. I got a, this used to be grass back here and I had this old pair of shoes that I'd walk in and get, get my feet wet and I almost busted it like several times on Sunday morning. Steve had to save me. Uh, and so I was just like, all right, I'm not wearing those anymore. Uh, the football games you watched yesterday, those guys weren't wearing Birkenstocks, all right? They were, they were, except maybe the App State players, they were, they were wearing, they were wearing cleats out there, right? Because they wanted to be, they wanted to be stable, that's something like what the Roman soldier had. I don't know what Paul's talking about here. There's kind of a cleated boot that they wore that helped them to, to stand firm and to be ready and steady as they, as they went into battle. Uh, Paul says the thing that brings that steadiness and readiness into our lives is the peace of the gospel. The peace of the gospel. The gospel brings us peace with God. It brings us the peace of God. You know, we're, we, we get so anxious and we're striving, we're doing, we're conquering, we're, we're doing whatever, whatever it is we're doing, we're working, and a lot of times we're just never settled. We're just never settled. And our hearts are busy. Uh, Augustine is the one who said, my heart was restless until it found rest in God. The peace of knowing that I have a right relationship with the Father, that my guilt is done away with that I have eternal life, that brings steadiness to our lives. That, that, that changes me, that brings a joy to me that overflows and makes me ready and eager to share that good news with others. The peace of the gospel. Number four, the shield of faith. Uh, and, and this is essentially Satan's attacking you with all these accusations, with all these temptations. And this is you trusting God, trusting his word, uh, when Satan says, you're not loved, you're not beautiful, you're not good enough, you tell Satan, well, that cross says that I am. That cross says that God loves me and has given his son for me because, because he wanted to give me eternal life because he loved me. When Satan tries to tempt you to go in a direction you know you, you shouldn't go, but you're tempted to go that way, you have to say, Satan, you know, I have to trust that obeying God is better than listening to you. I have to, by faith, believe that obedience is actually good for me. That I don't need the Turkish delight. That I don't need the ring of power. That I don't need whatever it is. But I need to simply obey 
my Father. And so we do that by faith. And when we, when, and when we fail, we run back to the gospel again. We put our faith in the gospel again, believing that when I sin, I don't fall out of grace, I fall into grace. Uh, the fifth piece of armor is a helmet of salvation that probably refers to assurance of salvation. I don't have time to, to get into all these. Uh, the sixth is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Scripture. Uh, it's the only offensive weapon here. Um, and, you know, in the sword of the Spirit, we think of, uh, we do battle with Satan. You know, like Satan, there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. We share the Scripture with others. We proclaim the Scripture this morning, knowing that the Word of God is powerful and, and can change our hearts. But then we have to direct that sword of the Spirit at ourselves, too. It's the way we hear truth and hear the gospel and hear peace is through the scriptures. And so we have to be those who consume the scriptures. And then there's one last thing here. And it's not listed as a weapon, but it's what connects us to the power source for the whole armor. Uh, Remember our opening illustration, right? You've been selected to be Iron Man. You've been given all the armor. Somebody has explained to you what everything does. Like the boot does this, and there's this laser that does this, and and it tells you everything. So great, go fly, right? Well, you need one more thing. You need to be connected to the power source. And you remember for Iron Man, the kind of power source was contained in that little round thing, or whatever shape it is now, on his chest, right? And that was the power source for the whole armor, And if you didn't have that, you can have the armor on all day, but you're not going to be able to move the stuff. It's not going to do you any good. You have to be connected to the power. The power for this armor that God gives us comes from God himself. He's he's like the little round thing. But the way we connect to him, Paul says, is through prayer. That's the way we connect to the power that enables us to use the armor that God has given us is through prayer. Prayer is where we say, oh, look, I, this armor's great, but I'm not going to be able to do anything with it, God, unless you animate it, unless you give me strength, unless you make me want to, to do this, unless you change my heart so I believe the promises of the gospel. And so we pray. Paul says, pray at all times. Keep alert. Persevere. Pray for the saints. Pray for each other. And here's what I think is a really cool thing about this as I was reading this. Not only is our armor powered on as we pray, we can empower the armor of other believers as we pray for them. Isn't that cool? Isn't that part of what he's saying? He's saying, pray for me. And so if, if something is hard in your life right now, if something is amiss in your life right now, if you've got some area you're struggling with, don't hide it because of the guilt or shame. Don't try to, to fix it on your own. But believe the gospel. Speak to God about it. And speak to other people about it. That's one of the things we want to see happen in our community groups is for us to not just to get together and share a meal and go home, but to actually talk about the things that we're struggling with because we're all struggling with something. To speak the truth about what's going on in our hearts and then to pray for one another. Uh, listen, Paul is an example. Let's look at verse 19. Pray also for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
He wrote a good part of the Bible. But he's saying, you got to pray for me or I'm not going to speak this boldly. The Apostle Paul needed prayers. We need prayers. I need your prayers as the pastor of this congregation. Uh, last Tuesday, and we'll wrap up with this, last Tuesday, uh, we as a church have been trying for the rest of the year to have a day of prayer and fasting for the church, for conversions, uh, the first Tuesday of, of every month for the rest of the year. And, and last Tuesday was when some of us did that, and I was trying to do that, and, and, and I was doing okay until it got about 5 o'clock. And those of you who knew this know how that gets about that time of day. And I had in mind, i got to clean up the pool, and then <clears throat> i, I got to eat, and Susan's got this Bible study, and we need to eat before she goes to Bible study. But I want to pray one more 30-minute block before we do that. And the way I pray, I'm horrible at sitting still and praying, so I just, I just walk and pray. I walk around the neighborhood or whatever. So i got a 30-minute walk i got to get in before all this happens. Well, Jack had, to, had football practice. But he's, they've been getting better about actually getting out when they say they're going to get out. And so I was like, I'll go get Jack, and then I'll go get some bleach for the pool. And so I go get Jack at 5, except it was actually 5.20 when they got done. And so I'm doing okay, but you're getting that little bit of impatience starting. And I texted with Susan, and she was somewhere where she could get the bleach, but it was like a lower percentage than we really needed. And so we kind of went back and forth. I was like, no, I'll just go to Walmart and get the bleach. So I go to Walmart, and there was a pool chemical I needed. And you guys know, right, Walmart, everything's always in the opposite corners. So the, the pool chemical was in the front corner. The bleach that I wanted, you, know, you don't buy the $8 bleach that's with the pool chemicals. You buy the Clorox that's in the, the back corner of Walmart. And so you go back there, and you get that. And then we come up to the line. And you all know Walmart never has enough checkout people, especially like at 515. And so we kind of do the survey, and I pick my line, and I pick the wrong line. And there is almost nothing I hate more in life than picking the wrong line. And she's like, I could leave, but if I leave, I, so I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. And the first person in line in front of me was using, they had brought their own bags, and I'm fine with that, my wife does that, but it seemed to have confused the checkout person. So it was just taking extra long to fill up all those individual bags. And then the next person had their iPhone out, and they were trying to use a coupon app that they had never used before. And there were three people from Walmart trying to explain to her how to sign up to actually be able to use this the next time. And it was just going on and on and on. And she just kept looking at this. And I was in my head, I was like, I will give you $20. Like, just, <laughs> like I was really thinking, like, I'm just going to go up and hand this lady $20. Just, just leave. I've got to go home and pray. <laughs> right? Right? I'm so mad at you right now because you're keeping me from walking around the block and praying before I eat supper. I'm fasting, dang it. Um, I mean, how stupid is that, right? I mean, how stupid is that? What I needed to do that moment was put on the spiritual armor and think, Justin, you know, God's kind of been patient with you on occasion, maybe most of your life. You might want to think about that right now this poor woman's just trying to save two dollars but but i didn't and so so pray for me i'm your pastor and pastor in greek means head center um well not really but it feels like it does uh, some of you were like yeah it does i can see that um but 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 pray for me uh, as your pastor pray for each other and then second let me let me say this real quick we think about this battle with satan 
that it comes in the big things. Like when we're tempted to run off and, and get drunk, when we're tempted to go sign up for Ashley Madison, like these, these like train wreck kind of things, all right? That's when you have to battle, okay? But, but the battle is in everyday stuff, y'all. It's like in your kitchen and in the garage. And, and when you're standing in line at Walmart, and it's about little things like impatience and anger and worry. And that's where, we, that's where we have to take up the armor and do battle. And we have to pray for ourselves and pray for each other every day. We enter the battle we fight through God's strength, in God's armor, but we fight together. We fight together. We pray for one another. Let me pray for all of us. God, um, we are sinners and we fail in small ways and in, in big ways. Um, and a lot of times we just leave this armor sitting on the shelf uh, and try to just give in to sin or try to willpower our way through it. Uh, and so we pray that, that we would learn from this to, to use these pieces of armor that you've given us to help us to remember uh, who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen.